of nowhere to the center of everywhere. It's Beneath the Surface with Sean Murphy and Corey Cooper. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Beneath the Surface. This is Will Boucher. I am here in Northern California with a really smart biologist named Tristan McHugh. Hi, Tristan. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, um, so we are here filming uh, a piece on abalone, and uh, there's a new board coming out with an abalone design, so we're doing an entire piece uh, on abalone and what is happening in the ecosystem to it, and so you will see that when the film comes out, but Tristan here um, is a marine, are you a marine biologist? Yeah, marine ecologist, biologist, yep. And we got hooked up with Tristan because, so... The crux of it, how we were, how we heard about it, was that since we were doing a piece on abalone, abalone, um, I don't know if it's becoming endangered, but it definitely is being um, displaced, right? Can you you want to, you actually since you're the the person who's an expert on this, you want to say it instead of me? Sure. That I mean, you did you pretty much got to the point pretty quick there. Um, basically, here in Northern California, we went through a series of really unfavorable oceanographic events um, that changed the biology of the region and the overall ecosystem change. So starting around 2011, we had um, a toxic algal bloom that essentially made it so that abalone were withering, not doing so hot. Um, we had a series of warm water events that moved through um, an El Nino and a warm blob around, you know, 2014. We had the loss of an apex predator, the sunflower star from the region. And all of that combined led to the deforestation of kelp. And kelp is a food source for abalone. And so with that loss of food, um, came this moment where abalone were really searching for food and on top of that there was another hungry mouth to feed which are the native purple urchin which started moving through the kelp forest like locusts um, and further displacing abalone so all all of that together the whole ecosystem was really um, threatened by these changes and so abalone as a byproduct were um, you know not doing so hot yeah. at the end of it here in 2022. Yeah, and, and and what we did is uh, we found a guy that uh, runs a, a a big abalone farm on the Big Island of Hawaii. It's a huge operation. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and and we toured that, and he's basically he's making a difference by breeding these abalone by the. I mean, I can't even t- say the numbers. It was you'll see on the film. It's wow. a huge operation, which. Um, because there's a big demand for it in the culinary world, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's the whole thing. And where we ha- they have these big farms, it makes it so they don't have to go out and wild catch abalone, right? Sure. So that really helps a lot too. Um, and what I w- want to bring up to, and we discussed this while we were filming this, is it started out by uh, when we were when we were on the Big Island, we were talking about how the purple urchin were like ripping through all the algae which was displacing it and it was kind of evilizing the purple urchin right yeah. and we still had that thought when we came here and we started talking to you and it's not about villainizing the purple urchin so we want to make that clear exactly. as well it just so happens what like what you were saying is that they just happened to adapt to the changes that were happening better than say abalone and a lot of other 
and the, uh, a lot of other creatures under there. So they just started multiplying more, right? Is that? Yeah, that's, you, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, I think it's really easy to want to point a finger and blame something or someone for all these um, really negative things happening. And, you know, abalone being displaced, it's really easy to say urchin came in, ate the kelp, urchin bad, kelp good, <laughs> abalone good. Right. But really, like, it's a really complex story because we're not talking about invasive species here. Purple urchin are native to Northern California and California in general, and they just reacted to the environmental changes happening. And they just so happened to be better at it than abalone were. And it's it's a major bummer. Yeah. And, and you're doing something about it. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on... Um, your background on yourself, on your credentials, first of all, and who you work with and what you're doing to, to help the situation. Sure. I completed my bachelor's of science degree at University of California, Santa Cruz, and I majored in marine biology and legal studies. And I went to complete my master's at San Diego with Dr. Matt Edwards focusing on phycology, so kelp mostly. And that is really where I've been focused is kelp forest ecosystems for the past 10 years now in, in various levels. And so I am first and foremost a scuba diver. And so I'm a naturalist. I love being in the water. That's like, that's my happy place. That's why I do this. And um, I've been very fortunate to find work in this field, and I'm now based in Northern California, where um, since the series of changes have started happening, I really focus now on kelp forest restoration and protection and what we can possibly do to mitigate some of the challenges facing um, our coastal ecosystem. So really pulling from other places in the world that have experienced this. We're not in a silo necessarily. So pulling from there and um, yeah, just trying a bunch of different things and working really closely with some fantastic people in the state government and um, other nonprofits to really just get a handle on what is going on and what we can possibly do. Yeah. And, and we discussed that. We, we So we spoke to Tristan about um, we actually, let me back up. We met Tristan through a guy that we got hooked up with named Josh, um, Josh Russo Russo. Yep. And he is, uh, a, he's a private citizen here, a business owner. And, uh, and he took this cause as, as his own, right. As a private citizen and started gathering people up and from a grassroots grassroots movement to help eradicate the urchins that were in the heavily populated areas to help the kelp grow back. And so then when we spoke to him on like a pre-interview thing, he hooked us up with you and we realized there's a whole other side to this. So that was really cool that we got to do that. Yeah. And can you just kind of go over how you met Josh and, and what he's doing and, and the effects that you're finding that's having? Sure. I met Josh when I moved to Northern California back in 2018. Mm -hmm. And at the time, this was about four years into when all these series of changes were happening. And so the ecosystem was hitting like a pretty low low at this point. We're talking um, over 96% of bull kelp habitat forest lost in just under a decade, right? So um, abalone fishery had closed. Um, the public is like trying to do something. And so I met Josh through these organized community events that he was putting together to have divers come out and um, work under the 
with their fishing licenses that has was like okayed by the state so that they could go and legally remove urchin in mass quantities from specific areas. So at the time, my job was to go and monitor, find out where they were going to go and go underwater and collect the necessary data um, before they got in the water to say like, okay, this is the baseline. Right. And then where is it going sort of thing? So we don't have the answers yet. And I think that's the point of science, right? Is to just keep tabs on how is the community responding to this? Are we having a positive impact, a negative impact? How is the ocean doing, getting warmer, cooler? All of those things considered are super important. And so folks like Josh and what they're doing is like, major right now to just capitalize on the momentum that the public is naturally bringing to this to this moment we're having yeah and it sounds small like okay there's a group of people coming out and you know the coastline of california is you know obviously ridiculous and so the pro and the problem is huge and you think sure. what difference could th those people make you know a, a group of people make but yeah. what it did and discussing it with you is that you know they took initiative to actually do something which was a little weird at first because like why are these people going out and just taking these urchins there was no there was no study on it that's why you right. came in you get to you get to catalog the data from what they're doing to then bring it to a, a larger scale correct right i think it's in part you know working in part really working with the public to find out okay what's the public impact right like what can they do but in addition to everything that Josh spun up from that side, it also catapulted interest in saying, okay, the public's doing this, what else can we do? And here in Northern California, we have a fleet of commercial red urchin divers. So folks that already dive for their career, they're really good at it. And they were also negatively impacted by the kelp loss. And so um, in 2020, the state of California really stepped up and they were like this is a problem we need to understand like this basic question of if you remove urchin can commercial urchin divers remove urchin for one thing and for two does kelp show up and so we're now about to enter into year three of that project and we're testing new methods we're trying um, urchin traps we're trying hand harvest we're trying to do it in different places we're defending kelp patches um, so it's really building off of you know, the momentum that the public is bringing. And what's fascinating too is um, because there's been so much attention building, building over the years, this has made it up into the federal government too, right? So bringing in these huge pockets of funds that could fund kelp and treat it as an ecosystem that is paralleled with coral mm -hmm. ecosystems. So really, I think where we're at right now is this again, moment where us as Northern Californians, Californians, um, people of America, you know, we're coming together and saying like, this is an ecosystem we care about. It's super important. Let's level up and protect it. Yeah. And that's, and that's the only way the change comes is like right now you're doing the dirty work and the, and the hands-on <laughs> sure. work that will hopefully eventually bring in what you really need. And that's funds like governmental right. funds that are big enough where you can actually do make an impact and they right. won't do that until they have evidence basically right right and i think it's in addition to that it's also scale right it's it's one thing to go and remove urchin but and use maybe state funds or 
federal or philanthropic, but it's another thing to turn this into a lifestyle, if you will, where Mm -hmm. we're thinking, okay, if we are creating these more adaptive fisheries, what would that look like in this new future? What is it going to be like when maybe we need to price switch, right? We Mm -hmm. need to start doing other things like ocean farming or um, eating lower on the trophic food web. So I think that's another piece of what I really focus on with other colleagues is the market side of things. How can we incentivize kelp restoration in a way that like people don't actually know they're restoring kelp. They're just doing their job. Right. And, and with, with bringing back the kelp forest, it's not like, and I want to wrap this back around. Cause I mean, we started this whole thing uh, based on abalone because of the board, right? So that yeah. we do these films to raise awareness, but it's all based on, hey, we have a board that has an abalone design on it. Yeah. So let's do something cool with abalone. And to wrap the whole thing around would, would be um, that, you know, you bring back the kelp forests and w- w- one of the things that would be, would, would benefit from that would be abalone, obviously. But uh, what, what else, what else do you get when you bring back the kelp forests that are being decimated? We bring back a sense of ecosystem health and whatever is happening in the ocean is happening to us on land and kelp in itself, right? It is a major carbon sink it is a carbon sequestration magnet. And so when we're talking like California, right? I don't even need to say it, fires, right? When we're losing like millions and millions of acres of terrestrial forest, and we're losing 350 kilometers of underwater forest at the same time, that's a lot less carbon being sequestered, Mm -hmm. right? That is like directly contributing to the warming of our atmosphere. And so, you know, it, it does span out like abalone. Yes. Let's like, let abalone be like the poster focus point of this larger ecosystem that I think we need to really start treating it as this like amazing, amazing place that not only brings us food, but shelter and is going to help keep our planet cool. Yeah. It's a, it's, you think about it just, we're going to grow more weeds under the sea and the, the general public's view of, oh, what, this, so there's not as much seaweed. Right. Basically that's what the, you know, that, yeah. and really it's a, it's globally catastrophic to not have it. And that's, I think what we should, you know, walk away with this with right yeah absolutely it's it's one of those things that we can't afford to lose another forest that's really what it comes down to Mm -hmm. and we're at this time where we can make a difference we can do something that sets us up for future resilience we can start finding ways to make it so that these kelp forests don't disappear potentially as quickly as they did with the understanding that ocean warming events are going to continue. That's just, you know, that's just an unfortunate truth Mm -hmm. that it's going to keep happening. And so we need to come up with these ways and these measures of making it so that some habitat is protected. How can we make it so that we have this vital ecosystem? Because if we don't have it, like we, we won't survive. Frankly. And do you do you feel like what you're doing is 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 a major contributor to to what the outcome can be? I mean, do you feel like it's working? I have to. I I think that's why I wake up and do what I do is I don't think I have the answers, nor does anyone. But I really think when you work together with people of a different set of circumstances and understanding and reason, you know, going back to Josh and like, why is he doing this? Why am I Mm. doing this? Why is, you know, this organization or that? We all have a very common goal and it's to... 
Oops. <laughs> so the, this will be a first on the uh, Beneath the Surface podcast. We'll get arrested while we are talking. <laughs> State parks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We just have a little interruption there. Oops. But yeah, so go on. I don't. Um, Yeah, I I was tangentially just saying, I think it's super critical that we start. um, (laughs) Hey. Good. How are you doing? Is is that Paolo? Yeah, it's Paolo. Um, Small town. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah, I think, um, what was I saying? Uh, I, we, we, we can cut, we yeah. can cut this part out. We can, um, yeah, I think that'd we, be were, great. <laughs> we were talking about, um, Oh, like, why are, are we you, doing are this? you making a difference? And oh, you say, yeah. I, ha- we, I have to. <laughs> yeah, I kind of have to. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't believe that, I'm yeah. fucked. Yeah, <laughs> right? no, it's, it's so, so, so true. So let me, so I'll start that. Yeah. So, sure. so do, do you feel like with all the, like the past three years, you've been doing nothing but getting data, working hands on and getting this done, do you feel like you're making a difference and are you hopeful? I am hopeful and I firmly believe in what we're doing, what not just myself, but just all the people that are contributing to this understanding and what we can do in this, you know, really stressful time is yes, we are coming up with solutions that are adaptive and we're moving. And I'm so impressed with the state of California and how they've like leveled up to start um, really treating the ecosystem of the kelp forest as what it is. And that that has radiated out from the state level to the federal level. And in addition to that, I, I love what I do because you can also pull from other places in the world. And um, this, the kelp forest loss is not unique to Northern California. This mm-hmm. happens all over the world. There are unfortunately tons of other communities dealing with this. So what can we learn from best practices and bring them here? And I think that's what gives me hope is knowing that there are a ton of like really smart people with a lot of passion working on this. And that's what really like drives me right now. That's awesome. But, you know, thank you so much for taking your time out. I mean, you spent a whole day with us and showing us what's going on and we, we really appreciate it. Oh, likewise. Um, I, I really think stuff like this and just talking about it in a very like simple, straightforward way is the only way to really get a handle around this stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's uh, another episode wrapped of Beneath the Surface. Uh, thanks for listening and we hope you uh, hope you enjoy it. <laughs>